Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Space. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Our guest today is Mariba Ja. Mariba is the chief scientist and co-founder of Privateer. He's also a renowned space environmentalist and astrodynamicist. Mariba, welcome to the Future Space. Hey, thank you. It's uh, good to be uh, with you here, coming to you live from uh, TED Conference in Vancouver. Oh, you're in my, uh, in my hometown. I'm actually, I live in Vancouver and now I'm in LA, so. Oh, wow. How's everything at TED right now? You look, it's exciting. Uh, you know, Bill Gates was just on the stage. Uh, lo- lots of people talking about climate change and, you know, world's wicked problems. You know, space junk is one of them. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. Absolutely. Before we get into what you're working on with Privateer and your your journey to space, can you share with us three words that capture the essence of space for you? Interconnectedness, stewardship, compassion. Compassion. I love that. Now, you started a big company, Privateers, that's going to tackle some of the environmental issues. Has space was always an interest for, for you uh, since uh, the, your own, uh, young age? I mean, I've always been fascinated with it, and certainly my love of things related to space, I think, grew with the space shuttle era, um, very shaken by the Challenger uh, tragedy, um, but I always thought it was for somebody else and not for me. And what do you think is the, I mean, there's a lot of talk about the science benefit, the technology benefits of going to space, but what do you think is the the human story of going to space? I think, uh, and I've been talking to people here at TED about this, um, I feel that most people are actually disconnected from space because most people have never experienced a dark sky in their lives. And that's actually what got me interested in space is, um, you know, I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela, lots of uh, city lights, on a good night, you might be able to see the moon sort of thing. Um, but then when I went to Montana, uh, when I was you know, guarding nukes in my youth, enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, I looked at the night sky and in a place that dark, I realized how not alone we are. And I connected with what our ancestors must have experienced looking at the sky and seeing the center of the Milky Way, other stars, planets. Basically, the sky is peppered. It's very populated. It's not empty. Um, and so that, that, that was very meaningful to me. And I feel that most people never get to have that experience. And I think that as a consequence of that, we've become disconnected from space. And so I think the human story is that we all come from stardust. Space is our future. And in fact, we as a humanity, if we want to extend our expiration date as a species... We need to find a way to thrive on Earth and make things sustainable here. And we need to find a way to thrive around another star altogether. Yeah, it's, I totally resonate with what you were um, talking about, experiencing the, the a night sky saturated with stars. There's a physicality to that experience. I mean, you can go to a planetarium and see a star show, but it doesn't replicate that physical sensation that 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 little butterfly in in your stomach of finding yourself into something that is so 
bigger than you. And I, I, I wrote this story about how it's only by, I mean, a short story. It's only when we step into the shadow of the earth, away from the light, that we get to see our connection with something that is bigger than us. And it's in, and it's in that vulnerable place, then suddenly the stars, the universe is revealed to us. And our, it's, that's our connection to our bigger mission. What, do, what would you say? Look, I can't, I think you put it very well. You articulated it perfectly. Uh, I fully agree with what you said. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So now you're involved. You co-founded Privateer, which its mission is pretty, uh, I think, precise. The the mission of the company is to clean is to clean the orbit. Is that correct? Well, the the, the mission of the company is really to provide a layer of knowledge that can be used to make space more transparent. So, you know, what's up there? Who does it belong to? What can it do? Uh, make space more predictable. You know, how are these human-made objects going to be behaving over the next, you know, minutes, hours, weeks? And, you know, can we predict how any two given space actors will behave under a common scenario? Um, and then the last one is, can we develop a body of evidence to help people make good decisions and hold them accountable for their behaviors on orbit. So that level of knowledge using space as humanity's mirror and hopefully interwoven in that, providing humanity with evidence of how interconnected things are and that stewardship is what we should be embracing. That's what Privateer is all about. Some people compare the state of space right now with all the debris and the various satellites in commission and not commission to like the really early days of ocean navigation where it was pretty much kind of a free-for-all but we look at it today great we have obviously some garbage issues but there's a beacon on most of the boat there's millions and millions of vehicles that are able to navigate within that that that's that that area do you do you a, do you think that it's a it's a good comparison and do you think that this is once we start to have tracking beacons and we have a, a better technology it's going to be kind of similar how we navigate into space I think that um, if we want to have common practice in space operations then we need common knowledge and I feel that right now the knowledge is not common it's very uneven and so one of the missions and goals of privateer is to actually make knowledge about stuff in space more common so that hopefully that can lead to common practice. How does privateer intend to increase the knowledge? Is it a, is it a, a forum, a dialogue, or is it a technology that's going to allow some, some breakthrough discoveries? How is it, how is it going to make that happen? Yeah. So um, on the technology side, it's a platform that uh, allows API access and people to input information, get information, make queries, develop applications on top of that informational layer, you know, all those sorts of things. But then even beyond that, Privateer is also about partnering with different organizations, Omega and others, in uh, raising awareness, in uh, participating in podcasts, maybe even TV series, uh, you know, all of the above, and even having an educational component where we're um, reaching out to, you know, K-12 across the globe, 
uh, engaging in curricula, like all these, all the above. Yeah. How did the, you briefly mention the Omega? How did that partnership become a reality? Because it's it's quite unusual that a lifestyle brand decide to get involved into an organization such as Privateer. Are you able to share a little bit of that of that relationship? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Omega is the uh, the brand, the watch that made it to uh, the moon and the, and the lunar surface and that sort of stuff. And um, Omega has had a history of being involved in major exploration uh, writ large. And, you know, they have an interest in the long-term sustainability of uh, ecosystems of the environment and definitely space. And so I think, you know, Omega and seeing what we are attempting to do with Privateer found an, a natural resonance uh, to basically partner and join forces. And, you know, given Omega's, um, I guess, foundation in accuracy and precision, uh, you know, miniaturized systems and that sort of stuff, turns out that to do things in space, you need a lot of accuracy and precision. So it just made a lot of sense. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier about um, K-12 reaching out, outreach to, uh, to younger people. And then you also said how impactful experiencing nature or the night sky physically uh, is transformative. Um, can you share a little bit more with us your, your perspective of the youth in that, in that dialogue? of the future of our species within the context of outer space. Yeah, so I'm very much aware of some programs uh, across the globe um, that basically have camps where they take uh, youth from uh, big cities and take them out to places with very dark skies so that they can have this sort of experience. And so we definitely plan to um, you know, work with these sorts of programs that are already doing that. Um, the other thing, too, is we've started on Hawaii, where the headquarters of Privateer is, but working with, um, you know, school children out on the island of Molokai and saying, hey, within Hawaiian culture, clearly the sky is foundational in your beliefs. Um, here's this thing about space junk. Any ideas that you have and how to bring your own ideas of stewardship and sustainability to help us solve this problem and that sort of thing. And um even thinking about the idea of having sensors, telescopes that we could use to collect data about stuff in space and engage, uh, you know, the kids in collecting data and, and applying science and engineering, uh, you know, to these sorts of things, um, you know, as well. So we're looking at all these uh, sorts of activities. Wonderful, wonderful. There's so... I personally have been involved within the outdoor environmental conservation world for the past 15 years, doing solo wilderness expeditions, writing about nature. And now I found myself into the space because I had this aha moment when I realized that we were going to space, not necessarily, not only because we could, but life has been waiting for this moment. Life was never intended just to stay limited to one planet. It's going, it, went from single cell to multi-cell now it's going from single planet to multi-planet so there's a bigger mission and we're the the medium to do it but one of the things that was refreshing to getting into the space is that for 
a long, I mean, for years, the narrative of the human species within the environmental world, conservation world, is a really, it's rooted in a lot of negative, we're not a good species, we've, we've been almost a cancer to the planet. And then, viral, viral, yeah. And then we get into the space community, and the space community is like, okay, we have issues, but there's ways to alleviate and then to fix it. And going to space is actually going to be part of that solution. You've been traveling a lot. You've been navigating these two worlds. Where do you? Wh where is your own opinion about this story? And how do you navigate that the the, the sphere? So I'll say this: um, within the space community, right, we see um, people that are well resourced starting to take more rides into orbit and that sort of stuff. Um, I think non-space people see this as oh, billionaires are wasting their money, taking joy rides and that sort of thing. And the thing that I try to remind people is any mode of transportation that is common to, to us, you know, getting in a car, going across country, um, getting in a plane, going on a boat, it all began with billionaires taking joy rides across land, air and sea. The fact that billionaires are doing this for space is actually a good sign because it means that this mode of transportation, which is critical, as you brought up with, you know, becoming an interstellar species is what we need to do. We're on that path and billionaires spending money and doing, uh, you know, these sort of trips is a good sign. Um, the thing that the caveat is in exploration in general. Uh, whether land, air, ocean, it's been done in a way that's been de detrimental to the environment. And I think this is the word of caution is that, yeah, billionaires, please go and have fun. However, comma, um, let's do things differently. Let's be inclusive. Let's be holistic. Uh, let's be mindful. Let's think of us as custodians and stewards of this uh, finite resource and proceed that way. And I think that's like the main difference for sure. I think the, I mean, obviously the billionaires have always been part of pushing the boundaries. I mean, back in the, in the days, you know, we could think of the kings and queens and different kingdoms who were able to fund, you know, these explorations that financially were not affordable, but then through them or like anything, I mean, even credit, Like credit was always just only available to the people who had money until it became more available to, you know, the, the, the public. I think that the importance of these billionaires is to recognize their role in the equation. If we look at the Renaissance in Italy, the Medici's hiring, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's or the patronage between the rich and the artists, it's a relationship that is, First of all, essential, one cannot exist with the other. But when you have these billionaires that have the vision to include the arts and to make that money move, this is when it works at its best. Would you agree? Look, absolutely. And in fact, one of the things that I've said in other interviews is that for many years, I've been trying to find my Medici equivalent to scale my vision for space environmentalism. And I found it and it's called Privateer. Well, congratulations on that because I think it's 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 a it's a model that um, I believe should be should be back. I wrote about the the, the 
necessity for creative storytelling and artists with building, creating that vision of space. And I said that all the big companies, Axiom, uh, SpaceX, Blue Origin, should all have in-house creative storytellers and artists that compete to see who should have the best, you know, the, the, the best art installation or the best storytelling. And not just the documenting, not the journalism, but really creating that vision of the future, bringing that human element that is actually, this is what unites people. Because the science and technology, some can and, and cannot relate. But the human story is what really, you know, I was talking to Chris Hatfield the other day for the future space. How music, uh-huh. music, his video of Space Station was seen 111 million times. They didn't watch, didn't, it was not about him just being in space. It was about him playing music and singing music and just con- uniting everyone with the, 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 the arts. So I guess I guess you would agree with that. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, we at Privateer, one of the first hires that we had on our executive team was Diana Klochkova, who's a chief brand officer. Like we cause we, we understand that this artistic, the human element, the storytelling. If we don't have that, we don't solve this problem. It's there's one purpose that artists have is to purposely be on the fringes of society so that they can remind us of a different perspective. Because once you're in in the grind of the nine to five, then we all fall victim of the same realities where we have, you know, we have to make it work. We have to to find the business plan, figuring out the, 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 the monetization aspect of it. But when you wear that hat, it's really hard to step out and get the holistic I always say that like being up in the mountain in a cave, it's always easier to be a monk. But once you go down to New York City, you know, in the streets, it becomes a little bit difficult to find your Zen and not to be, you know, distracted with your phone. So creating these places so that the the people who do that best have the time to kind of look at the things that, you know, usually you don't have the time. So I with privateer this is what you're going to be doing you're going to be offering that opportunity well yeah i mean one of the things that i wanted to say to you daniel is that throughout this exchange with you i've been wondering have you been reading all the stuff i've been like writing because like you're saying stuff that i fully agree with and it's like even even the whole it's easier to be a monk in a cave or somewhere in a hilltop in the himalayas versus in the city i've said those same words i agree fully like yeah absolutely well, maybe we need to, uh, we'll do a follow-up to this conversation and go deeper. But we have, I think that, you know, we need more of that conversation that talks about an inclusive story that unites and rises above, and you know, with the future space, this is what I'm trying to do is really, and with the summit that we're going to be putting from March 20, uh, uh, March of next year is really, it's a, it's a, it's an event that wants to, create the story of the future of our species, but within the context of outer space. It's not just about rockets or the technology, but it's everything that makes us us. It's the laws, the legislations, the politics, but also the apparel, the architecture, the wellness, the health, and it's everything. And it's we need to have this discussion of sitting at the table and wanting to make that uh, forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in, in fact, you know, one of the things that I've told people is, you know, with uh, humanity wanting to become or needing to become 
uh, an interstellar species, um, it's not just getting humans across the solar system to other solar systems. It's the human experience is not just humans. The human experience is butterflies, bees, uh, you know, dog crap that you step into that doesn't smell so good. Uh, you know, whales, like we have to actually develop, no kidding, the, the Noah Ark equivalent because all that is part of who we are and, and, and what we evolved with. And so, yeah, absolutely. All these things that you said. I wrote about how going to space is going to be the best thing for the earth for the following reason. We have a house in, in our backyard. There are trees, you know, a patio, things for like really kind of more enjoying. Like no one, most of the people don't have a backyard with a garden, with a sewage system, with a power plant. Why? Because you're able to outsource everything that you need. And also you're able to export all your outputs. Going to space, it's going to create that, but on the major scale where Earth become more of that house and in, 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 with your backyard because everything that we need, we're able to outsource it from somewhere else. So it lessens the stress of extraction on the planet because even if we have a vision of a battery future, the extraction of all the mineral will create you know a similar problem. So having it from somewhere else and being able to figure out a way to export also will alleviate a lot of the pressure. Do you want? Do you agree on that? Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I'll even go beyond that to say that, um, you know, Privateer again it has its headquarters on Maui, and you know Hawaii is a very isolated place in the middle of the Pacific, um, but the indigenous Hawaiian people and and and, and Pacific Islanders, um, they thrived with the tradecraft of wayfinding. And so, you know, for, for me, I see earth as being an isolated island in the middle of a very vast ocean that we call space. And we have to become proficient at the tradecraft of wayfinding, being able to have a successful conversation with the space environment to successfully get to a very remote place, which is around another star system altogether. Yeah, absolutely. It's, the going to space where resources are scarce going to create a total different awareness of a relationship with what we need because obviously on earth it's hard for people to have a sense of awareness and value when things you know you can go back to your your grocery store get whatever you want we can talk about fish stocks but the store the grocery store is a different story there's a there's a lack of connection between the two stores I've written about how going to space is going to create a revolution in recycling because your atom of carbon that you take with you, you cannot just open the space door and throw everything out because it's it's gold. It's basically it's worth. So you're going to have to figure out ways to reuse and recycle that atom of carbon over and over and over again so that you don't have to go and then come back to resupply because that's not an issue. Um, so I think that's one of the, one of the uh, technology benefits that's going to um, happen. Do you? I mean, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And in fact, um, you know, back to the the whole idea of, of wayfinding, it's why our first application that we've put to the public is called Wayfinder. And what is that? What is that application? What is the the, the bigger picture of that uh, of the Wayfinder? Yeah, 
So, so Wayfinder right now is kind of like a ways for space. It basically, um, for people that want to understand and navigate their way through near-Earth orbit, it basically provides a map uh, that's dynamic of the opinions about stuff that, uh, you know, human-made stuff that's in near-Earth orbit. And we plan on adding a lot more functionality to it and making it a lot more interactive with the public, uh, as, you see, as you'll see in the next few months. So are you, I mean... I know you are, but how excited are you about, despite we live in a really challenging world. I mean, there's no doubt about that. There's a lot of tragedies going going everywhere. Uh, We just came out of the pandemic. There's stuff that's happening in Ukraine. There's losses of life that should not happen. There's environmental tragedies. Yet at the same time, are you excited about the era that we're entering and the possibilities that we can we can achieve together yeah because i actually believe that we're at a renaissance encore we're at the next renaissance and this is exactly why i've been trying to find this medici equivalent and you know i think that um you know with privateer we're going to we're going to participate with other people across the planet to really get into this new renaissance and I believe that there's going to be a whole um, flourishment of new art and science and all these things as a consequence. So, yeah, it's very exciting to me. I agree 100% with you, uh, Morava. Could you share with us a little bit of how you were able to find your Medici? Or for someone like you, if someone is, is listening to this interview and they're like, you know, how can I find how like how can I find my way into uh, yeah. connecting with Medici? <laughs> right. So so the thing is 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 like um, I really tried to be undistracted, put my head down, and say I have this uh, inner oath where I'm trying to do something that's of positive benefit to humanity, and you know as I try to do the best job that I can at that, um, recognizing that. I, you know, there is no such thing as independence. We all depend on each other, this idea of interconnectedness um, and just keeping an ear to the ground for, you know, many people might criticize me or, you know, say this, that or the other, but there's always going to be a subset of folks that are like-minded that genuinely believe in collaboration and partnership. And at the end of the day, those are the relationships that I'm trying to nurture um, and, you know, uh, things take time. It takes time for the universe to put the right connective tissue together. You just have to be perseverant and, and, and just believe in your own kind of like, you know, Dharma. And so I've done that and it's taken many years. Um, you know, this didn't happen overnight. And and in fact, you know, uh, when I talked to Alex Fielding, um, who's also a co-founder, uh, with Steve Wozniak and privateer, he basically said, look, we've been watching your career for the past 10 years. We just haven't come out and said anything. We've just been trying to see what you were doing and evaluating kind of what you've been doing. And now's the right time. You know, so sometimes and I, 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 this is what I'd like to say to people as well. You can have the right idea at the wrong time and nothing will happen. And so there has to be a confluence, a synergy amongst things and um so it's just, you know, be patient and always be on the lookout for opportunity kind of stuff and do what you feel you need to do is best, but with your foot planted in, you know, altruism and compassion for sure. The, uh, your, your point about luck is definitely something that I think people 
tend to forget luck has, you know, being at the right place at the right time. You just look at, you know, these pivotal figures in, I mean, Elon Musk or even Steve Jobs and like had Elon been born 20 years before and not in that moment where his vision was possible because of the technology, it would have been, you know, it would have been passed. Same thing for Steve Jobs or had um, Elon Musk stayed in South Africa or not end up in, 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 in Stanford, all these little ifs. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was reminding me that how many possibilities or discoveries actually don't happen because all these elements don't happen to line up exactly the way that they can, you know, they need this thing. So exactly. Um, there's obviously a lot of hard work that's going to be increasing your chance, your chances. And then there's finding the right person, getting a helping hand and, and, and increasing your odds. This is the, the luck. I think the best that what people can do is do the best that makes you feel like you've achieved the best, you've done the best. And then after that, you know, it's, it's life. Who's going to, who's going to. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, one of the things that I have to say is that, um, I actually don't believe in randomness. I think that everything is deterministic, but we're just ignorant of the ways things work. And so back to this idea of kind of being patient, um, you know, the universe works at, in different timescales and you should allow the non-randomness to happen. That's the best way that I like to explain it. The, uh, the Chinese have this, uh, this uh, folklore, the, the, the red string of fate that the gods have tied this invisible red threads, you know, in between the people they're supposed to connect, marry, or know, through the life. And I have this um, photo project and where I call, it's called Random Connectedness, but now it's Space Connectedness. And I photograph portrait uh, people holding a letter of the alphabet that is red, the giant. And then after that, I spell out, my goal is to uh, spell out the manifesto of humanity within the context of human space, but with each character being a person with holding a letter, the red, a red letter. I like it, um, man. So, <laughs> so I'll soon, I'll, I'll be soon, uh, taking a, a, a portrait of you holding the letter. Uh, Moreva, can you briefly, you, you said that the, uh, the headquarters on the, uh, the, in Hawaii, have you been to the, the lava field of, uh, the big island? I haven't been to the lava field on the Big Island, but I've been to some lava fields on Maui before. How can you share? Because I've experienced it, and and it's I'll share with you after. But can you share your experience? We we're talking earlier about the physicality of experiencing nature, the stars. But how? What was your experience of the lava field, seeing a volcano or the lava? Um, what was it for you? I mean. Um you know, nature, nature does her thing. And, um, without prejudice, nature is just doing her thing without prejudice. And so when we experience something painful or joyous, you know, that's our interpretation of nature, but nature is just doing its thing, um, without, without good or bad. And, um, but when I observe nature, I see an intelligence behind everything and it's very, it's, it's beautiful. It's magical. Um, I'm in awe 
of this uh, intelligence and this interconnectedness. And, you know, nobody has to tell a plant how to grow or how to bifurcate or how to, you know, um, it, it's evolved. Life has evolved. Physics, chemistry, it all comes together. And it's a, it's a very beautiful thing. And it's part of our story. And it's happening within us uh, all the time, um, whether we're aware of it or not. And so being able to be in nature and just focus the awareness to our surrounding to be aware of that connection uh, is a very moving experience for me and um, it makes me feel grateful. I've always shared with, with my audience how going to the wilderness on these solo wilderness expeditions, going back to nature was an exercise of humility and perspective to, 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 to see something that is beyond you and where like it's not it doesn't it's not about making me small but realizing that there's a force that is bigger and you're an active participant and we all feel our niche there's not you know one is better than the other but there's a what i call the um, organized chaos there's there's this magical dance in where each is kind of you know in a relationship with with its environment at the, at the same time, we're all trying to create our niche, right? Exactly. I, I, um, there's, a, there's a phrase that this uh, old woman, Maddie, in Cold, Cold Mountain uh, says to Jude Law, what he, he, he's basically trying to recover from an injury to his throat. And, and he, basically paraphrasing, she, she's connecting the tissue between, um, you know, showing this interconnectedness between, you know, a bird eating a seed, the bird poops, uh, you know, this, this, the seed basically grows and then bears fruit and then the person eats it. And it's like the bird has a job, the seed has a job, the poop has a job. Uh, we all have jobs. And it's like, I will push it even more. And this is where I think that I don't believe that the way nature works on the planet is different than, than the way nature works in the universe. It's the same, it's the That's same right. connection. That's right. And it's, where it's the extension. Life wants to connect on Earth in the same way that it wants to connect on the universe. So all everywhere, the, all these different life spot of life in the universe are trying to connect. And now we're getting at that place of like now there's going to be this this leap in where obviously life starts to to to, to spread through through the universe. And I, and that's that's nature. That's life. Exactly. I agree. We're about, I'm, I want to be mindful of your time. You're a TED. This is an exciting moment. Listen, I know it, even in your bio that uh, uh, your team sent me, uh, they said that you're uh, an avid runner and, uh, and a master of selfie. I assume that you're going to go and be uh, and do your run in Vancouver? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll, I'll send you the selfie, my friend. <laughs> are you, um, you going to be running in Kitsilano or are you going to stay in Vancouver uh, in downtown? Yeah, probably probably around the, the the waterfront and then to the park and then around the lake and back and that sort of stuff. That's what I've been doing. And uh, yeah, I, I p usually post all this stuff on Instagram. You know, Morbidjan Instagram. You can see all my running posts. But yeah, I, I try to do at least like a five k every day. So Stanley Park for the ones who don't know, Stanley Park is a beautiful park, kind of the equivalent of Central Park, but in Vancouver. A fun fact: um, it was actually a um, a navy site. Uh, site and and that's the reason why it's undeveloped because while vancouver was being developed 
because of the, the, the Navy aspect of it, it was kind of sheltered. And then at one point it was giving back to the city. And if, I don't know if you knew, but the, the water, the, the sidewalk around Kitsilano and around, it's one of the longest in North America that's on the water and where one person can just walk for almost, I think, 30 kilometers or something like that. So if you want to run, it's for amazing. A while, you can run for a while. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, if people want to learn more about Privateer or the work that you do, where do they go? Privateer.com. They can start there. They'll see Wayfinder. And then in the upper right, they'll see something called Mission. They can click on that and then see all our values and, and, and what we hold to be true and, 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 and uh, you know, what we're trying to do with humanity. So. And you're on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, the usual uh, Twitter, maybe? That's right. More Baja. Yeah. Yeah. More Baja. Yep. Excellent. Well, Marva, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I look forward for a path to, uh, to cross so we can uh, continue this uh, nature space conversation. Thank you so much, brother.